John 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, as we've gathered this morning, we've gathered for the expressed purpose of worshiping you. Lord, we have heard your word read aloud. We have prayed. We have sung. And we have given. But Lord, we have done all these things knowing that we are dependent upon you. We depend upon your spirit, Father, to give us eyes to see. So this morning, Lord, we ask that you would be merciful and open our eyes to see Jesus. We confess, Lord, that the struggles of the past week and worries about the week ahead distract us they take our focus away from you forgive us of this Lord and direct our thoughts towards you incline our hearts towards your testimonies change us please Lord so that we will desire you more than anything else on this planet. We ask this through the work of Jesus Christ, who is our mediator. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. In the 1960s, the Japanese novelist Shinsuku Endo wrote a novel. He's a believer. He's a Christian. The name of his novel is Silence. It's a very powerful book. Because it tells the story of two priests in 1630 who are living in Portugal. And they get word that their mentor, Father Ferreira, who has been in Japan, has disappeared. And no one has heard anything from him. This worries them because at this point in time, Christians in Japan are being persecuted tortured, and martyred. So they set out on a journey, a one-way trip to get to Japan to find out what has happened to their beloved mentor. But Japan is closed now to Christians, so once they reach China, they know they've got to get help to get into Japan. So through a series of events, they meet a Japanese man who has fled his country. His name is Kichiro. He struggles with alcohol, but nevertheless, he professes to be a Christian. 
And he tells them that I can get you into the country. I can make you into the, get you into the country safely and introduce you to the other Christians. So these two priests, Father Rodriguez and Father Garupe, trust him. They stake everything that this person is telling them the truth and will do what he says. If he's been honest with them, they have very little to fear. They can get in safely. But if he's lied, they will more than likely die. As Christians, we have staked everything on who Jesus is. We have staked our eternal destiny that Jesus is who he has said that he is. Many of you in here have staked your reputation on that. You have lost friends. You have family members that don't understand this Jesus thing. You have staked everything on who Jesus says he is. So this issue of the identity of Jesus is no small matter. In fact, it's very appropriate that as we come to share the Lord's Supper today, we think seriously and deeply about the identity of Jesus. Because this is no trifling matter. That's why John begins his gospel in the way that he does. He wants us to see that Jesus is indeed the very Son of God. He is God in the flesh, fully God and fully man. That's why John begins his gospel not at Bethlehem as Luke does, but he begins with Jesus who created Bethlehem. He doesn't begin his gospel as Matthew does, talking about the star that leads the Magi in to, to find the baby Jesus. He starts with the fact that Jesus created the stars. Because John wants us to know that by believing in Jesus and based upon who Jesus is, we have blessings beyond compare. In fact, he wants us to know who Jesus is so you and I will know that what we long for more in this life is found in him. That's why he begins by showing us that the new beginning you and I want, the clean slate we long for, a do-over, Forgiveness that we hunger for is found in Jesus. In the very first verse of this gospel, Jesus began, and John begins by showing that Jesus is more than just a man. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now don't be deceived by any group that comes to tell you that, well, at the end of verse 1 when it says that the Word was God, that should be a little g stating that Jesus was a God. That's ignoring the text. This verse is written so that God and Word are interchangeable. So you can say God was the Word or the Word was God. And guess what? Both are correct. The point is to show the full divinity of Jesus Christ. Jesus was not a God. He is the God. The God incarnate. And there's much debate about what John meant when he said the Word. It's a term that is weighted with a lot of theological and philosophical meaning. 
I tend to interpret it that because of the phrase in the beginning, the word refers to the active power of God's speech to accomplish what God desires to accomplish. Now let me shuck that down to the cob a little bit. I don't know where I got shuck that down to the cob, but some of you know exactly what I meant. He wants us to know that when God speaks, people don't just listen. Things happen. Our speech is limited. I can walk in the room, in the kitchen, for example, and I can say, ham sandwich on rye up here. Guess what happens? Absolutely nothing. Now, husbands, don't hit your wives and say, something ought to happen. I can't just walk into a room and speak and something happens. You know what would happen if God showed up and he walked into a room and he said, ham sandwich on rye. It would be there like that. Because God's word has creative power. Only God speaks. And guess what happens? Something comes from nothing. God speaks and the skies appear. God speaks and the earth appears. God speaks and lands. God says, let there be light and there is light. So I believe the word is weighted with this power that Jesus is the incarnate word of God to accomplish what God desires to accomplish, namely the salvation of humanity, the redemption of creation, and the glory of God's name. All because he says, in the beginning. In the beginning. Now, when he says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he takes us back to creation. In fact, just to be sure we don't miss this point, look at verse 3. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. So, you can't have God working in creation without Jesus. You, You can't have the whole creation happening without the Trinity being involved. So he's saying that even before this world was, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit were working. Now, at this point it's easy to say, well, that's very interesting theological meandering. But what's that got to do with anything? I mean, we get right down to it. What does it mean to say that the Word was God, Word was with God, and the Word was God? It means a tremendous amount. This is not just biblical trivia. John wants us to see that because of who Jesus is, we gain benefit from that. Our union with Christ gives us blessing in Christ because of who Jesus is. That's the point of it. So what do we gain from knowing that Jesus was involved in creation? One of the truths that God wants us to see, that John wants us to see in his gospel is this. Jesus is the active power of God that brings about recreation. Jesus is the active power of God that brings about transformation. Jesus is the very power of God that brings about redemption. That's why he begins his miracles with what? Water turned to wine. He changes the basic substance of this element to make it something else. He recreates something that was different into something brand new. And you see this all throughout the gospel. What in the very next chapter? John 3. 
He says to Nicodemus, don't marvel to you that I say to you, you must be, what? Born again, recreated. You move throughout the gospel. A paralytic stands and walks. A woman caught in adultery is told, go and sin no more. Nicodemus is shown to be a man that is transformed by the word. He starts out in John chapter 3. comes to Jesus at night, secretive. Psst, Jesus, come here. I don't know why Nicodemus sounds like he's from New York. Come here, Jesus. Let me talk to you. It's secret. It's at night. But then the next time you see Nicodemus, he's talking about Jesus publicly among a group of leaders. Not in secret now. It's out in the open. The very last time you see Nicodemus is in John 19. Guess where he is? He's with Joseph of Arimathea at the cross, publicly identifying with Jesus transformation secret a little bit more and now a change he is showing us here that Jesus Christ brings the new creation you and I long for he is the power of God to accomplish that why because nothing has come into being without Jesus bringing it into being we all want that don't we whoever's in here would be bold enough to say I've never needed a do-over in life I've done everything perfectly Exactly. None of us are without sin. I love the story of Father Gregory Boyle. He has a ministry in East Los Angeles. Los Angeles. It's called Homeboy Ministries. He's a Jesuit priest with a ministry called Homeboy Ministries. You've got to love that. You know what one of his outreaches is? His most popular one. He has gotten a team of physicians together that offer for free gang members who have had their bodies marked with tattoos that identify them with the gangs they offer free laser removal of those tattoos he says this is life-giving because as long as they are branded with those marks that can't be hid most of the time they're on their face they may be shot by a rival gang member they can't find a job because of their identification so Father Bull says, we offer them a chance to begin again. To have the marks of their past removed and to say the grace of God sets you on a new trajectory. You wonder if people respond to it? Right now he's got a waiting list of a thousand young men waiting for that chance. He says that's simply what the gospel does, isn't it? Come to me, you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden. Come to me, you who are sinners who have rebelled against God and be adopted in the family. Let your sin be cast away as far as the east is from the west. You who wonder, can my guilt be taken away? Know that in the blood of Jesus Christ, it is washed away. And that you, by this power, by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you who are weary can be made new. You who are weighed down with sin can feel the lightness. You who are old creations can be made new in Jesus Christ. John wants us to know that because of who Jesus is, that is possible. Why? He is the Word who was with God, who was God, and that nothing has come into being apart from Him. And it gets even better. You do realize that the life we long for is found in Jesus in verse 4, John introduces two of the themes that he comes back to time and time again in his book. 
in him, that's Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. Light and life. These are words that predominate the book of John. Because he wants us to know that in this dark world there is a light that shines. He wants us to know that the life we long for comes with that light. That this is what we were made for. Now when we talk about life, understand we are not talking about just flesh and blood. We're not talking about life in the sense of my heart is beating and my lungs are expanding. That's existence. God has not made you to just exist. He has made you to know the glory of who He is. He has made you to know love, to know joy, to walk in those things. That's why Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. Jesus was not standing in a cemetery when He said that. He was speaking to men and women who had hearts that were beating, ears that were hearing. And He says, you think this is life? No, I've come. You will really have life and have it more abundantly. I'm afraid we settle for far too too little to know that there is a joy a gospel infused joy in living each day to know that no matter what the circumstance is there is hope and there is power because deep down that's what we long for we pursue what we pursue because we believe it will make us happy the only problem is we pursue the wrong things we're like the story that was told by Hampton Sides in his book, Kingdom of Ice, about the USS Jeanette under the command of Captain George Washington DeLong. The common thinking, this is in the early 1800s, that when you got to the North Pole, there would be a ring of ice. But the North Pole was like a donut. Once you got through that ring of ice and got into the center of the donut, it would be warm. There would be warm waters like in the Caribbean. So George DeLong Washington, George Washington DeLong and the USS Jeanette set sail to break through that outer ring of ice. Guess what happened when they got through that outer ring of ice? They found the inner ring of ice. And once they got through that, they found the next ring of ice until eventually their ship got stuck in the ice and was crushed. I would submit to you that's exactly what happens to us. You ever wonder why is our world, our culture, so consumed with physical intimacy? It's because we want to believe we can be known and loved and can find that apart from God. Why do we become so consumed with working so much to get more and more? Is it not underneath it we think if I get enough, if I reach a higher level, then I will really be loved? And you know what happens? We get in that relationship and we find our souls crushed. We get what we want. I've made it to the top of the corporate ladder. But guess what? You're there alone because to get to the top, your family had to be sacrificed. Is that really what God intends? Is that abundant life? Jesus has said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And when he says that I am that, it's coming out of who he is. Let's take the idea of love, for example. The Gospel of John focuses upon love more than any of the other Gospels. The word love is used in John 57 times. Luke only uses it 15. Matthew 12. 
Mark five times. It is John that shows us that he is love. Now, if Jesus is love, and I want to know love, does it not make sense to come to him? If he is the source of it, he is light and life and love, and he is security. The security we long for is found in Christ. Verse 5. Who is this Jesus? He is the light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness hasn't snuffed out the candle. The darkness hasn't cut the electricity so the light doesn't shine. Now the darkness tried. It tried when he was born. It tried in the temptations. It tried in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the darkness tried when Jesus was upon the cross. But the darkness could never, never extinguish the light. If by faith I'm in Jesus, then I can be confident that I will not be overcome because Jesus is the light. I can be confident that there is no despair that can remove me from his love. I can be confident to know no matter what the circumstance is, I have hope in the midst of that because Jesus has overcome the darkness. Now, you and I, we live in a generation that is consumed with security. I mean, we look at our world and we say, yes, pastor, we are. You know, I think of growing up when I drive past a, a playground and even how playgrounds have changed. We used to have a thing called a merry-go-round. Monkey bars. We didn't have mulch on the playground. We had good old hard-packed dirt. You know, we should seek safety. I'm not saying that at all. You know, if I can keep my child from being decapitated, I'm all for that. But the reality is we can only protect so much. There's only so much we can do. Things still happen. Whether it be through the negligence of others or just the fact we live in a fallen world. There's a limit. So what that tells me is if I want security and I live in a world that is fallen, I must look to something outside of this world for that security. I want to look to the light that the darkness cannot overcome. Because that way I know that even in this world, when things do and will go wrong, I'm secure. That's why Paul writes, we are hard-pressed, but we don't give up. We are crushed, but we're not in despair. Because he was living his life in the light in Jesus. So I want you to consider this morning who Jesus is. The creative power of God. Who is Jesus? He is the life. He is the security we long for. And I'd ask you to consider him. Now this morning as we share communion, we need to be mindful of who Jesus is. So that we don't just come and just go through the motions and check something off of our list. 
This morning I ask you to consider those three things about Christ. And to know that each of those are demonstrated fully in his death and resurrection. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me right now.